look at their faces and I think, I don't want this to happen to you, to my daughter, to any other mother out there. And so it's important to speak up because if we don't speak up, change doesn't happen. I don't know if you're gonna see this voice moment. Thought I was happy. Are, are you happy? I'm not happy at all. Question is, are you happy? Are you happy? I'm the happiest I've ever been happy? right now. P.S. Be the person who you'd want to meet because somebody needs you. Somebody needs Welcome to Are You Happy? The Happy Hour. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Are You Happy Podcast. Today, we are joined by a really awesome lady who we met via our DMs on Are You Happy Official's Instagram. Normally, we're meeting people from all over the place, and, and we've arranged these meetings with them. But then this lovely young lady came into our direct messages and said, hey, I want to talk to you guys, and I want to share my story. And even just reading a little bit of where she's coming from, we just had to have her on. So, Melanie, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you for this space. I love everything what you guys are doing. I just had to reach out because it was just a positive message and it really touched my heart that I just, I was like, I want to talk about this. And so how did you originally find us? Well, I read a lot of positivity quotes for my own personal journey on mental health. And I just, you know, want more of that into my life. So more positivity, more of encouraging words. And that's how I came across your page. Okay. And so the first time that you saw one of the interviews, like what did that do for you? Did it just kind of like open up all kinds of emotions or like, did you kind of think, oh, that's really interesting. What happened for you? It really resonated with me, the emotions of everyone has a story. And I believe stories are important and impactful. And so when I saw that on your social media page, it actually resonated so much with me because I had recently shared my story. And it takes a lot of courage and bravery to be able to open yourself up in a place of vulnerability in order to do that. And so I saw that a lot of people were doing that and being so open about their stories because there's no shame in opening who you are. Yeah, a lot of people have remarked that everyone that gets interviewed for the page, either they're just really astounded that they did that and they opened up that wide. And then you have other people that are like, oh, wow, you know, this is really interesting. I've connected to them in some way. So there's so much value in it. But then, yeah, it's, it is amazing when you step back and, and understand that they are brave. They're incredibly brave to share that with millions of people. And so many people are going to be touched just like yourself. So that's really awesome to hear. We will definitely get into your story because we're super excited to hear everything. But in the moment, are you happy? Yes, I've been doing the work and I'm happy because in learning what truly makes me happy is being brave and sharing my story, taking action in that phase of life where I didn't think like maybe I'm the only one who's experiencing this, but I found strength in sharing my story. And when you say work, doing the work, what kind of work do you mean? Like internal work, like it is a choice and you can decide, you know, how much you let other people and opinions really affect you. And then what, what, you know, inside of you as a core belief, like you really have to love yourself a lot in order to put yourself out there, because I think self-love is so important for oneself so that when anything rude happens to you or something that goes off the cuff that you're like, oh my gosh, why did that person say that to me? It doesn't really phase you as much. And you 
you stand in truth and you say like, hey, that's not okay. Or hey, you shouldn't speak to me that way. You stand up and speak up for yourself because you love yourself first. So do you think that doing the work and practicing self-love is almost kind of like building up your own armor against everything negative outside of you? Right. It's like you get to choose once you love yourself or not. Who gets to be a part of your life and who also gets to have a seat, so to say, in your life? If you don't love yourself enough or you're still working through that, it can be a little challenging, like a muscle you have to stretch because then you don't want to be like in tears over something someone said to you because... I've definitely been in a place like that where I was really vulnerable and I wasn't as strong as I should be. I had to remember who I really am and how strong I am. But I remember that I love me and I have so much to give and I have so much to offer. And so when you were like doing the work to kind of process that, like, did you tell yourself that it's okay to have those feelings and to have reacted that way? Did you give yourself like that allowance to tell yourself that it's okay and then work through it? Yeah, it's okay. You know, give yourself that time to heal, but don't stay stuck in it. Because I think a lot of us tend to put ourselves like, oh, woe is me. But give it a certain time frame because know how powerful you are and how much that can change. It's interesting that you say that. I know someone who says like, yeah, I let something bother me and I give myself like a designated amount of time to sit in it and then I get out of it and that's it. That's enough. There's no more. <laughs> so right. it's funny right. that you say that. It can be detrimental to your progress if you just stay there stuck. And so you want to look towards the future and realize even if you don't know what that looks like or in the past where the past might have hurt you, like you're still moving forward and you're staying present in the moment. And I think there's something to be said about the strength that it takes to tell yourself, okay, I'm done and to get out. And like you said, to decide there's so much strength to recognize that if we acknowledge that we would understand, like you said, that we're more powerful than than we think we are. So that's to be celebrated, too, is deciding that that's enough and then moving yourself out of that space. I'm curious, like on in your personal life, what's like a life example of where you let things affect you versus after, you know, learning how to take care of yourself, what that did for you after the fact? Well, I put it in like three categories. Sometimes I feel like there was a time in my life where I needed to feel significant from other people, you know, and likability. And I feel like if I didn't have that, like I didn't understand where I would put myself in this headspace where it's like, well, what did I do wrong? You know, and like I'd put myself in a way where it's like, why don't I feel like what I'm saying, I'm being heard or I'm being seen. You have to like self-talk to yourself like, hey, Mel, you're doing great. You're doing great, Melanie. It's okay if not... Not everyone likes you. The people who really care about like you and they accept you for who you are. It's okay if not everybody comes with you, you know, and just know that you need to love you and accept who you are and all your imperfections and just be okay with that. Personally, it goes back to self-love again. Look at yourself in the mirror and think, what would my future me want for me? So is it like you were kind of like stuck in like seeking validation and then feeling bad if you didn't get that validation? Yeah, there was a time where I needed that. I needed that validation and I didn't understand it. But I learned like, for example, like my boss can give me that validation, but it won't mean the same thing as if my mother were to give me that validation. Like be wise about what you give significance to. Your mom raised you. That is your core. That is like the love that you will genuinely feel. Like great in workplaces, you'll get like a sense of validation, a sense of accomplishment, but it will never be the same type 
type of love that you would receive from family and friends. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I love that giving significance to those core things. That's amazing. No one's ever said that. That's amazing. Switching gears, some of the things in your daily life right now that are making you happy, what are those things? Oh my gosh, I'm on this journey about like art and expressing myself to my fullest. And so I'm painting and coloring and my gosh, like I had taken maybe one class in high school and I did pretty well when I was in high school, but it's almost like a lost art to forget how good you were. And and it took me back to like, what happened? Like I'm like looking at things digitally and I'm drawing them physically by my hand. And I'm just kind of amazed at how much like we can create like both in physical form and digital form. And so I've just been very creative lately. And like, as you can see, I'm playing with crepe paper, making flowers and just playing with different watercolors and pastels. It's just like this whole new world is opening up for me because A, I didn't have the time at the time, but I was thinking to myself, like, I should have really made time to nurture this part of my life. And I'm taking the time now and I'm like, I'm never going to let this go away because I've always been creative and it would like leak through in my business world wherever I could. But I was like, I wish I did more of this because I think it's such a healthy expression. It's been very therapeutic, at least for me. Yeah, it sounds that way. Your voice like changes. The tone of your voice changes when you talk about being creative and doing these artistic things. It's awesome to hear. And you can tell that you're just so in love with it and you're excited by it. I think that for anyone, anyone listening or anyone, you know, watching watching the, the Are You Happy channels, Doing those things that make you go up a pitch, you know, when you're talking about how you enjoy doing them, those are the things that we have to make more time for and to do more of. And I'm curious, is the work that you do during the day, is that now more creative or is it more businessy still? So I recently actually opened a business. It's called Bonita Paper Co. And I envisioned this to be words of affirmation and art and creativity and expression. So I'm just working on like my small product line. So there's the business aspect that I know could very translate from the administrative standpoint from 20 years in project management and in, in the tech space could marry into this creative space. It'd be like taking my creativity and putting it in a master plan, business plan. And so I have definitely have a notebook out there and I'm working through that and I'm trying to launch it by late fall this year. Well, but I have no doubt that you'll make it happen because with your project management skills, <laughs> you'll push yourself and you'll be super organized. Yeah. And then with all your creative essence, it'll be like this really beautiful, bonita thing. So yeah. that's, yeah. that's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. I think that you know, if people have the ability to take, you know, their job and make it something that's creative around things that they love, that's that's a blessing. You know, it is such a blessing like to do that for us here, like with Are You Happy and the other work that we do creative wise to do that all day, every day. That's the dream for us to share people's stories and, and just really like immerse ourselves creatively. So I'm, I'm so happy for you that you're doing the same and definitely encourage other people to do that. I think it makes for a more exciting and, and more creative life. Like you said, it's very nurturing and, and you just have a lot more fun and you enjoy your life more, which is very important. Yeah. Now, if you could give a message to the world, anything at all, what would that be? I would say really find those things. I know it takes time to find what makes you happy, but really take the time, block out your calendar and just you need time to think about what really matters in life. Who's going to be there for you and who's going to have a seat at the table when you die, really? 
Who's going to remember you the most? What kind of legacy are you going to live when you pass on? Then you'll realize that's what matters. So if you were to die tomorrow, what kind of legacy would you want to live? And so answering your own question, what what is that for you? What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? That to live life colorfully and beautifully and express yourself and to never be afraid to speak up and build community of love and just be nice. You will rally and you will find the people will just come for you just by being yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've found is really the community and the support from everyone that I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm putting myself in such a vulnerable place. But I felt like I needed to do it because of my children. And I look at their faces and I think, I don't want this to happen to you, to my daughter, to any other mother out there. And so it's important to speak up because if we don't speak up, change doesn't happen. That is very true. And so the experience that you're talking about, is that part of like the story that you were wanting to share? Yes. Awesome. Let's do this. Let's get into the story. Feel free to start, you know, wherever you'd like. I know before we came to the show, you mentioned that you're originally from Brooklyn and you moved to Salt Lake City. That's got to be like ridiculous, different, (laughs) different climate, different culture, different everything. I want to know first, how did you deal with that transition? And then what happened that as far as the story that you're talking about? Yeah. So that transition wasn't really much of a choice. Like my parents like got divorced. And so we had one living aunt here. And so we migrated to live with her. But it definitely felt like the culture was different. I remember I used to have a really heavy New York accent when I first moved here. And so that was interesting with my classmates. But overall, like I did feel like welcomed and supported when I first initially came here. It was an adjustment that I made. I do remember that. But Utah has been my home for, I'm going to say, the last 20 years now. And so I've grown up here. I went through college here. I went to high school here. So I met my husband here. I've made a lot of friends here. And so I just think Utah is a good place as far as like the mountain air and a place to, you know, grow a family. It's a good state to do that in. And with that said, I think because it's such a great place and it's such a great place to have a family, I also think that being a working mom could also be supportive in this state. And I believe in this state overall in general. But I think mothers specifically kind of demand the attention of the American society right now, especially with everything that has happened in the last post-COVID era, I think that a lot of burden was placed on the working mom. And the reason I say that is because I had recently faced unfair treatment at a previous employer and I tried to address it when I was there. I spoke about it and within my means. So basically, long story short, I wrote a story and it was published through the 19th news about workplace discrimination and how it still runs rampant today. And the reason I wrote that is because it was part of my healing process and I wanted to bring awareness to the issue because granted, I knew I wasn't the only one who had felt this way. Also, the other reason is because it's imperative for us to go through a significant change to enhance and support all working parents. And so I think by sharing that story, it addresses that we need support in successfully re-entering the workforce as a whole. I believe that families are the foundation of America right now. And I don't think it's appropriate that individuals are burdened with debt when trying to seek quality care for their children. And going back to what had happened at the workplace, can you share with us what had happened? 
In the story I talked about in 2018, how I was skipped for an annual review and I wasn't given a sufficient enough reason. And so when I came back, there were things that had affected me done by my previous manager that made me believe that I was being discriminated against. And I didn't know the law, but discrimination can exist even for pregnant women or people like who came women with children. So there is rights that we need to be aware of about the working mom in particular, that there are some instances where discrimination can play out in a workplace. And it's important to be aware of that. And so when that happened to you, how did you learn about the laws that existed and what did you do after that had occurred? I wasn't too much aware of it because you never go into a workplace thinking you're going to get discriminated against. It wasn't until when I started writing story and seeking support where I learned about the equal opportunity employer regulations. That's when I learned that no one can discriminate against race, gender, or even pregnancy. And if you believe that you were passed over due to pregnancy or gender, there's actually a form you can fill out under the EEOC that addresses this. And I had no idea. And it wasn't until I wrote that story, talked to a lawyer and found out that, hey, you're being discriminated against and you didn't know. That's how I found out that I had a case And then after you went through like the whole process, what changed in your life? And then how did that affect how you went forward in advocating for others and helping educate them? So when I found that out, I found support groups and I will share who they are. In writing that story, there was a support group called the Moms First USA, and it was formerly called Marshall Plan for Moms. And it was run by Roshima, who was the former CEO of Girls Who Code. And that was a turning point because I had read her mission and what she was all about. And it was basically to talk about and working together and dressing and like the Congress and lawmakers to finally put attention to this, to this whole infrastructure that we currently live in. You know, we need to really invest in moms and childcare infrastructures to support the working mom. And so they have programs that help people in each state where it's like for low income and families and early childhood education. But once you meet a certain level income bracket wise, like if you're middle class, it's really hard. There's a threshold where you don't get any help at all. So either you have to push to like get really rich, you know, or take a second job, develop yourself, etc., which are all good things, but there's only so much time in the day, right? We're like the lowest in the nation when it comes to childcare. There are other countries that are doing government-aided programs to support parents. And so it's like, this is America, the land of the free and a democracy of all places. And so I think women in particular and parents play a critical role in today's workforce. And a lot of them have either ended up leaving the workforce to take care of their children because the quality of care is not there because it's either too expensive or people are just breaking even, especially with schools going remote. It's just a lot of women, I think are put with that burden of you have to manage both, right? And so now to secure like a better future for America, in my opinion, I think we just all need to rally together a bipartisan effort that was recently announced like a week ago, a caucus for childcare affordability. And it has two representatives, one Democrat and one Republican, and they created a committee. They urged everyone to write letters to their congressmen 
And so I started writing letters to my congressman about my particular issue in general and if there's more that we could do. And so I just think it's really important to address the financial challenges and like promote like workplace flexibility and like enhance the childcare infrastructure. I think this this is more than myself because of what happened to me. I know more can be done so that we could avoid this in general and to help the future generation that are up and coming and support the working parents because there are like 1 billion economic opportunities that we're not tapping into because a lot of moms either had no choice but to be forced out of their positions because it was either too stressful, not flexible enough. As a woman in America, we should have choices because it's America, the land of the free. We're a democracy. And so I think as a society, one shouldn't have to be sacrificing their career or going into debt just to get quality care for their kids. Yeah. Something that I thought of while you were talking, also having to choose between time with your children and your family, because if you have to work a secondary job, that takes away from your family time. So then you might not even see them if you were working multiple jobs to try to afford the child care. And then, you know, everything that you said is is so true. They need that support. So that's that's good to hear that there's, you know, something that's starting. But I think more people should really take a look into what they can do locally or if they can write a Do you still work with or talk to like other family groups, other mom groups? Do you still kind of participate in that area as well? Yeah. I mean, I talked to my neighbor the other day and the only reason she's able to afford quality care is because she has her grandmother helping her out. And so you get these retirees that are helping out their children. And that only works if you have like close family nearby. But what about those who don't have close family nearby? They're going to have to make that choice whether or not they take care of the kids or take another job. And those are so many limiting options that I believe there should be more options because I think the whole system needs to change. Like we just need to look at childcare, the infrastructure as a whole. How can we make this support a working parent? And we're not always going to be parents all the time because kids will grow up and they'll be self-sufficient. But it's that parenting cycle that I think people need to really look at. And there's a study by Work Labs that kind of shows the navigating the parenting cycle and how like benefits in the workplace need to kind of marry where the parent is at the time. Because Sometimes it can work. Like I'll give an example. I could afford at the time quality daycare expenses for one child. But I had three. And sometimes things happen in your personal life where it's like, oh, well, now I have two kids. You know, you can manage one. But once you have two, it's like we're talking up to like college tuition could be anywhere to like 30K at that point after three kids. And so that's unanimous. That's like more than in-state college tuition at most universities. And so I just think expanding the access, improving like programs for childcare to strengthen it would definitely help alleviate that financial burden on parents. Yeah. And then, like you said, making sure that everyone can have access, not just, you know, if you're in the bracket, but people outside of the bracket too. the people that are there in the middle, you know, it's important that they have access to, oh, family leave. <laughs> That's another thing that needs to be fixed, right? Other countries give way more time to new parents, whether they're moms or dads, and this country doesn't do that. So there's definitely so much more to fix. I'm very thankful that you talk to people and that you bring that conversation up and that you write those letters because it's important for people to be aware. What do you want people to take away, if anything, from your story? 
there's so much we can do by advocating for equal opportunities to kind of eliminate the bias that exists out there in the workplace. Like inclusivity, like all those DE&I efforts that you hear, like inclusivity includes the working parent and the environment that supports like, you know, both like the professional growth for fathers and mothers. And I think humanizing the workplace experience is definitely something that we need to, you know, talk about and parent out loud in workplaces because I find that you're probably not the only one that's facing those challenges. You might be like the one parent on the team, but maybe start like looking for the support groups in your another department and maybe even starting a group like an employee resource group to kind of alleviate and build a sense of community within your workplace to promote like equal opportunity, I think, because I think by talking about it and advocating it, you create more equal opportunity. Yeah. And if, you know, in the community, if if we're looking at community groups and if people become, you know, vested in these community groups, I think that, like you said, the more conversation will elicit, you know, what steps need to be taken to try to get changes made. So. So, I mean, just this year alone, like, I don't know if you saw in the news, but they have a pump act, which basically means that you can have a break to lactate if you have an infant and you have to pump. For a really long time, it was gray. It was a very gray, loosely, like people should accommodate. But now there's a law called the Pump Act so that if employers do not accommodate, basically they can get in trouble for it because they should be accommodating. So now it's a right. Whereas before it was like a loosely gray law. That is interesting. I remember like a workplace that I had many years ago, there was a lactation room and no one really knew what it was. <laughs> they just they just saw this room. And then when you ask about it, they're like, oh, yeah, people sometimes use that, you know, but by making it a rule that people have to have that accommodation and it be known like that's definitely super important. So that's good. That's good to know. And here's another good one as an example. Like when you go to public restrooms, like how many public restrooms only have the diaper changing rack in the one? restroom. Very true. Yeah. I want the dad to help whether I you identify in a different type of partner relationship, but I think every bathroom stall should have a diaper changing table. Yeah. So either partner here or there can help out. That would be good. That makes perfect sense. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you really want to share with everyone? I definitely believe in America and I definitely believe that if we rally together, we can make so many things happen. And I'm seeing it. I just think we all want the same things. I think sometimes like when it comes to, you know, supporting American families and I think as a collective, like responsibly, we always want what's best for the next generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if we took time to take a moment and understand that we're really more alike than we think, that we're more united in certain things than divided, then we would understand that we are more connected and participate as a group. So thank you so much for sharing your story, but then also, you know, sharing your happiness and your light. Because I think that even though you've been through some really, really significant things in your life, you managed to get through and where you are now in this really positive and creative strong place that in itself is a really really strong example for other people that may be in the before stage or in the transition stage so thank you so much for sharing your story with us and being here thank you Vanessa I really appreciate it 
Do you want to share any links to any particular pages or even like your company pages or social medias where people can find you? So you can find me. My personal handle is Melanie's Metmos on Instagram and my business page. I'm still working through it, but it's Bonita Paper Co. on Instagram as well. And my website is under construction, but it will be launched later in the fall. Awesome. We will put those links on the episode description for the podcast so that way people can find you and follow you. And we wish you nothing but the most success on your journey and can't wait to see what you do with the world and all the awesome things things you put into it. Thank you, Vanessa. You too. Like, I love your guys' message. Keep doing that. The world always needs more positivity. Amen. Totally agree. (laughs) Thanks so much, Melanie. I hope you have the best day of your life and just keep smiling. Keep being strong. Thanks, Vanessa. Are You Happy Hour and Are You Happy Hotline are brought to you by Are You Happy Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media such as Instagram and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. Are You Happy, the docuseries can also be found on social media such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. See you guys next time for another wonderful episode of Are You Happy, the Happy Hour.